Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is a diversity, equality and inclusion consultant and the founder of Dope Black Dads, a support group and podcast that works to challenge outdated stereotypes about black fatherhood and cultivating a progressive, inclusive community of parents. He is also dad to Blake and Ocean. It is Marvin Harrison. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. When you uh, recall my bio, I feel way more esteemed than I did five minutes ago. So thank you. Oh, really? that was very nice. Just, just figure you off a little bit. Yeah. So oh, I do have two children and that is their name. I feel good about that. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> I've got to say, actually, I've got to start. I, you posted something last week, which really tickled me. You did that typical thing that parents do in the morning. I'm like, oh, you know, I need to get the breakfast in. We've got nothing for breakfast. <laughs> so you said to the kids, quick, throw some clothes on. We've got to go to the shop. The outfits that they wore yes. were brilliant. Talk me through their outfits. So I just want to let you know, first and foremost, <laughs> contextualize my children. So they have both been raised to dress themselves however they see fit, okay, and yeah. empowered to do so without yeah. question. And my daughter is a free spirit. She's destined to be a creative director of something. And she went for a fairy outfit 
with leggings, maybe tracksuit bottoms. Uh, it was tracksuit bottoms, a fairy outfit, and trainers. <laughs> and then my son went for a casual two-piece suit with his pajama tops underneath. <laughs> and I was really proud of them both. And I thought, you are style icons. Really it are. was just so good. Like the idea of them going, oh, I'm just going to pop to the shops quickly. What do I wear? A two-piece suit. That's exactly what I need. Yeah. There's always something when your parenting comes back at you in a visual or audio <laughs> basis. You're like, ah, that's what the consequence of that is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Let's go shop. Marvin, let's talk about your childhood. What was family life like? I, I grew up in those all singing, all dancing, amazing food. Your family friends are your cousins, very yeah. close-knit family, very matriarch-led. So my mum, aunts, sister and my grandmother were the barometer of our family. And I think me and my brother just fitted in and my uncles, we fitted in. We would hang yeah. out and do what we needed to do and what we were told. And it was really interesting because I just assumed that's how the world worked. Right. Until I was probably in my 20s and I was like... Oh, but until then, I was completely in the bosom of amazing women. And they're all from the Jamaican heritage. So this is really beautiful sound of patois that is my inner voice whenever anything goes wrong. And it's them <laughs> speaking to me, reminding me of who I am and my values. So, yeah, there was there was four of us as children. We grew up in Hackney. And I think Hackney in the 90s was very working class. Like, I really remember, like, celebrating VE Day. And our estate turning into one giant party room. And really? they would have a really long table that would seem to go on forever. And everyone in the estate would come and have jelly and ice cream and <laughs> sweets. And I don't know who funded this, by the way. This is clearly a happier time in government. But <laughs> there, was, there was clearly money to pay for a full-on VE Day celebration with every child being fed some sort of ice cream, cake and sandwiches. And I just, I just remember that and think that's what you know, community was and, and is very much missing from today. From your childhood, looking forward to the future, did you think you would have your own children? Was fatherhood something that you thought about? Yeah, I think it was. But I think the reason why was steeped in my father not being particularly present mm -hmm. and wanting to repair what I felt he had broken. And I don't think that's really healthy fuel because yeah. children aren't like a thing to avenge. If Avengers in the DNA of how you're approaching parenting is probably not going to go well. And I think when my son, when my wife was pregnant with my son, it definitely changed for me. It was more about them, him. It was about yeah. who he could be. And I also changed my idea of parenting from like, I am your parent to I'm your guardian, which is a different, it's a different way of looking at it. And the more I met him, the more I understood he was someone already. And I think inherently, I believed children were just like an extension of me. Yeah. And so my job was to sculpt them into the better version of me. But they're not. And anyone that has children will know that their children very clearly and very quickly have their own personality. And you see mm. the consistent thread of their personality as they grow older. And you realize that it's not just, you know, environmental and it's not DNA. It's just they are mm. their own spirit. And it's incredibly beautiful to discover. And, and I think. In that, I've learned what love actually is, actually, because I didn't, I, I also didn't know that either. Um, yeah. But now, now I know. Yeah. So when you first met Nina, was kids something that you talked about early on? Absolutely. She's somebody who loves children in any capacity. Socially, she wanted them. You know, if she could sit in a room of kids and play, she would do that over talk to adults. And I think... There's something really beautiful about and pure. And she taught me about the energy of children, the honesty of children, the integrity of children. Like mm -hmm. if you ever go to a child 
And this is a kind of bizarre thing that adults do. They try to like scare them or tickle them. It's like, you would never do that to an adult. Yeah. And they'll, they'll be like, I don't like this. They'll look yeah. at you and be like, stop. Adults will just pretend. And I think there's something really beautiful about not pretending. And I think Nina loves that honesty that you don't get with adults. And so in that, I've learned things about that. And we talked about it really early on, like the key things that we wanted to consider when having a family and things mm-hmm. like safeguarding was huge for us. And I think, we, you know, the things that we were willing to let our children see or have access to or who had access to our children was one of the paramount things. And I think also was just about things like education, yeah. things like how much love and affection we give them, much freedom we give them. You know, I think we probably landed closer to her vision of parenting than mine. And so I'm really grateful for having someone that you could actually have that conversation with because she taught me a lot yeah. even before they arrived. I mean, what I love about you, Nina, from listening to both of your podcasts, you are such great thinkers. Mm. Like the conversations that you guys have and open up, you really feel like you're part of something that's well thought through and really thought provoking. Like every time I listen, I'm just like, it feels like parts of my brain are opening up and kind of things I haven't even thought about in terms of my parenting and my kids suddenly I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. Or why do I do that? It's just this great understanding. So I love the fact that with you two, you've had that open dialogue from day one. Yeah, and actually it turned into a thing that we called the Marina Plan, which is basically our names merged because everyone that gets married does cute stuff like that. But we called it the Marina Plan. <laughs> you shipped your name. I know, I know, I know. It's like, it's like is it Jay? what was the uh, Jennifer... Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, I can't remember what their name was, but everyone does it. Um, Benefer. Benefer, there you go. <laughs> uh, and it's actually disgusting, by the way, we should not do it. But we, we called our plan <laughs> the like Marina it. plan. And it talked about a couple of areas, things like finances, children, us, like what made us special and what kind of things we yeah. wanted and a list of goals. And we found that to be a really good framework and a really good barometer for whenever things weren't feeling good like what we were here for and it also kept us true in terms of just like sometimes you get lost in stuff and you just need you need someone to give you a gift of reminding you of what is actually happening and what's real and we managed to get that so I think that plan is really really useful in my book I'm going to say this is my first I'm saying it in my book but in in the book there's a there is a chapter about the, the marriage plan and for me the whole thing was just about I want to invite people of where to look yeah. And I think like for us, we found out so much really profound and difficult and interesting things in the last 11 years. And it's re- I realized that you can't always communicate them to people. It's not really for them to understand. It's just how your things must work mm. for you and your family to, to get to your vision or to or just to be happy yourself. And I think there's certain things you've got to protect and there's certain code that we call it code that you can share with people and let them come to their own conclusion. But yeah, there's a couple of things that I think are are really interesting when you're devising a marriage into how you co-parent that I think those questions will give you real answers and then yeah. it's, it's for you to own. How did you feel when you found out that Nina was pregnant? I was over the moon. I cried. So I, I am, I am a you, cry. How, you, how were you told? That's what I want to know. So I remember there was a point in, we had been married for maybe three years and been together for maybe five. Was there point. a pressure at that point from family members? I think the question was there because we looked so happy, but I think people knew that we were really into our work and traveling. So yeah. it wasn't a huge thing, but there was a, a period where I think Nina's best friend at the time announced the child, that he, her cousin announced their second child 
there's somebody in my life announced a child and I was like I remember being on a bus and being like it's time <laughs> and um you know at that point I think the question was always about we wanted to be secure between us secure financially to be able to go and do those things but you're never really secure enough ever they're just a part of life and you have to find a way to make adjustments so mm. I demanded them and then when you know when I found that she was I cried I remember exactly where I was I was at work at my desk and I knew exactly where she was, was on video call at the time. And she was walking and she was like, I, I think her iron levels were low. So she wasn't very well. So she went to go see a doctor, came out and told me. And I just remember sitting at my desk crying and, <laughs> and just being over the moon. It was one of the happiest days ever. And it is just one of those things because it's, you know, something life-changing and beautiful is happening. Something that's yours. It's an experience that you, we went through together. And the pregnancy was amazing. Was me. it? I said, let me, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just wait. Everyone listening, let me be clear. I, one, I wasn't so pregnant. You want to caveat this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't pregnant. Two, I fully understand that she may have had her own experience. What I'm speaking of is the experience of her pregnancy from an external point of view. Yeah. I loved, she was so beautiful. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, you're, we're attracted to our partners, but there's a radiancy, there's a vibration that comes at that point where I was just staring at her. It was like, it was, it was like godlike. And so yeah. we, our connection at that point was so amazing. And I just was like honored to be able to witness it. And it was a fantastic experience. And I know not everybody has that. And it does really depend on lots of variables, but I'm so glad that I had that. It's one of the memories that I hold dearest in my heart. To be honest. Did you talk lots of the bump and stuff? I did everything. I was talking to the bump and you know, we were doing massages and there was loads, we played music. I was playing early Nas to my child because I was adamant that they must be able to move to the vibration of hip hop. Uh, <laughs> we're playing soca. We're playing everything. And it was just nice. And I think like that stuff does really transcend those yeah. sounds because now my children love soca. They dance to it. It's an instant you play it and they vibrate to it instantly. And that's that's different to being like, oh, this is quite good. Because if I think about how I listen to music the majority of the time, it's through headphones. But yeah. actually, music hits you. It's how yeah. it gets your chest. Yeah. That is what it must do for a baby as well. The, the way mm -hmm. it almost hits them physically with their body as well. Yeah. The vibrations go through your whole body. But yeah. also then you connect it to times and things and food and places. Yeah. And it just has a really powerful affinity. So if you're like, inside your mother warm cozy being fed constantly even against your will by you know all the vitamins and stuff that you're you know the, the mother is putting into you and then you hear vibrations you're like oh I connect that to that it's a happy yeah. place I can remember when my kids all of them in bounces whenever they used to bounce in time to whatever music we were playing I'd be like yes we have done well yes. all that playing music to bump stuff it's it was worth it my, my children have rhythm fantastic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Hurrah>! <laughs> That's 5% of the mission complete. There we go. Now we just make, need to make them good humans. Yes. <laughs> How did you feel going towards the birth? Did you know that you were having a boy first off? I'm not into surprises. I don't think that's needed. I think life is difficult it's enough. It's unnecessary. But yeah. It's like, I'm not one of those people. It's like, I, I don't know how the day is going to go tomorrow, but I would like to know the, the gender of my child. So right. it's interesting. So like, again, knowing that he was going to be gendered or a boy, was a massive thing for me because it allowed me to mentally prepare for the landscape of his possibilities. So I could actually, you know, support him in whatever he wanted to be. And that yeah. does include even things about questioning his gender. Like, 
we never raised our children a specifically gendered way yeah we allowed them to to do it themselves and this is at a time when we didn't really even understand what that meant I was just like I want to love you no matter who you become or whatever you decide so I had to start with a lot of room for him Mm. to grow into and he's naturally landed as I you know I would say even now he's quite a femme boy he's not particularly overly macho he loves to rough and tumble but he he's feelings first and he operates from that place and so I teach him mainly or I coach him mainly in ways of acknowledging your feelings and what that means and you know now we have mindfulness and we do that we do have five minutes at different points during the day whenever he's challenged you know he does mindfulness and he now promotes it he's like oh I'm gonna go do my mindfulness dad and I'm like that's great so it's nice to hear that he's adopted some of those tactics but you know when somebody is emotionally led they do need ways to disconnect from from people because they feel way more powerful vibrations from people than some others do and it's important that you teach them how to honor that and protect that yeah those mindfulness exercises are they they little exercises that you put together or is there like an app that he goes and listens to it's just the ones that i put them together so i we started off playing things online on youtube just of mindfulness for kids and finding different sounds Mm. but now i ask him to do it in silence because i think sometimes feeding narratives to them is not as healthy i sometimes guide them myself and so it'll be like a scenery visualize a garden and then the garden is a tree and then over there is a pond and the water's running and then you put your hands in the water and you wash your face of it and then you drink some of it then there's a tree over there and then you touch the bark and then you hug the bark you know so just different things that Mm. we ask them to do in this landscape and it basically takes you out of the cycle of of how you're thinking and move them into another type of thinking which is more based in nature it just depends we also do mirror talk which is what the children's book is about so a really good segue and, but yeah so uh, we, talk to me about the children's book it's called it's called i love me yeah uh, it's really interesting at uh, taking a very adult concept and making it appropriate not just for my children but for all children so i love me is basically what we're trying to create yeah and so the book gives different contexts for boys and girls And because we still understand how certain activities are gendered. So what we try to do is inverse them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So when it came to things like I am kind, we centered Blake because boys don't really, you know, get centered in kindness. And so we gave like four or five examples of him being kind, whether it be sharing and hugging a friend or sharing food with his sister. It's an opportunity for them to give them language for what it is that they're feeling, um, Mm -hmm. but also to enforce that. So I am a kind person. Yeah. And then give them examples of how what being kind looks like. So, you know, the whole point is that you do them in front of a mirror, you do them really loud, and they get more and more excited. So it's like, I am brave. And then you jump off of, you know, the bed or you jump off a wall or whatever it is that you're doing. And it just gives them a language to say to empower their actions. Yeah. And what made you want to even write a children's book? Is it just because of the practice that you were doing all together anyway? And you thought actually lots of people can benefit from this. Was it that sort of situation that that launched you? Yeah, it's really interesting because I didn't actually think of it in any way. I do affirmations or I have done myself. And whenever my children were sad, I didn't want to, you can't explain adult concepts to them. So you can't just go to them and be like, well, son, you know, it's just, you, you need to give them something very simple. And then I did a BBC News article about, post George Floyd and how do you talk to your children about racism and so I was getting my daughter to be like I love my hair she has afro hair it's different to maybe some people in her class and I wanted her to have affinity to it so I was like I love my hair and I love my mom and I love my jumping and I love whatever is it whether it was that she was challenged by 
And then one of the editors at the publishing house found the article and was like, this is the type of thing we want to be creating books for. And they really helped me de- develop it. So Macmillan, thank you, because it was not intentioned to be a book. I wouldn't sit there and be like, I'm a child author. And I, you know, that's my calling. It was just something that was really authentic to me. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I can share it with other parents. And what have your kids' reactions been to seeing them, like, they, in the book? They don't care. They, they <laughs> saw it. It's, 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 this is all for my emotions. They don't care. They saw it and they absolutely loved it. And they thought it was amazing that they were in a book. And maybe when they have one in their hand, yeah. it will land them again. But yeah. they were like, oh, that's so cool. And that's it. Whereas for me, for the last six months, I've been like, look, you, your <laughs> illustrations. They're just like, yeah, it's cool, dad. Anyway, so da, 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 and they just start but telling me about so the day. It's so good because it's something that you cannot prepare for. Like, it's that thing. Kids are kids. They're going to just give you, if they're not in the mood, they're not in the mood. Like, so yeah. Tom, my husband's a children's author. So when he's got picture books that come in, he's always really excited to kind of test it out. Sometimes we might try it and the kids are all just squabbling and it's not going to work. And, you know, or other times that last night he's just, he's writing at the moment and he read the eldest, the first two chapters of the new book, which has been sort of struggling with. And, mm. and Buzz just laughed his head off at the whole thing, which yeah. made Tom go, great, now I can carry on. I've, yeah. I, I'm in there now. I've seen someone appreciate it. I think it will filter in and I think you'll be surprised that, you know, I, yeah, I think it's like anything with kids. You can't lead them. They have to find no. their own way. No, I mean, what will happen is, is that I'll probably go to their school and read the book to their classes. There we go, yeah. And then when <laughs> everybody else is really enrolled by it, then they will care. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And how did you feel heading towards the birth? It's a situation you can't really plan for again, you know, and, and I think it is a, it's a scary time to be heading towards. Were you cool, calm and collected? Were you just full of excitement or a, a real mixture? First child, I was, I was so excited that I was pure momentum was hitting me. And so I was really, really excited. But there's something happened with my daughter when she was coming. A previous relationship when I was in my early 20s we had a miscarriage and Mm. we assumed it was a daughter. And I think there was some connection between that experience of miscarrying and believing that was a daughter and having a daughter and knowing it, that really, really triggered me. And I I was struggling to connect mainly out of fear because that had been a really vital, a brutal experience for me to go through that. And and, and miscarriage is a whole nother conversation because for the experience of men in miscarriage is very Mm. much underserved and under discussed. 
And so we have that, you know, a light goes on and be like, oh, I'm having a baby. And then yeah. it happens and everything is centered in, in, in the mother, rightly so, because she actually went through the experience. But men go through an experience also. And I think I never really healed from that. So in the moment of knowing my daughter was being born, I, I just became really challenged. And yeah. I, could, I couldn't get close to my wife and I couldn't get close to my daughter for the first six months. And that is what led to forming Dope Bad Dads was that feeling. It was really violent for me. And it, it took another 18 months to understand what was happening and connect it to what had happened historically. But until that point, I was just, you know, I, I thought I was, something was wrong with me. Yeah. I actually read an account of yours that you'd written about that miscarriage. And, and you said that you kind of spiralled afterwards and it mm. wasn't until your daughter arrived that you were able to almost process that loss as well. And I think that is something that happens with so many people that have given birth after a miscarriage or a loss. There is mm. that, that thing, life and death are so close and it makes you process the things that have come before um, mm. um, and what could have been and, how, and the weight of that loss. Yeah, and it's one of those things because I, I wrote about it in the adult book and I, I was rereading a copy edit version of it. And I, and I just started crying. I was on a plane and I just started crying because I remember how violent it felt. And I remember yeah. what I then created in my like emotional absence at that time for my wife. Yeah. And so the context of me today in all the things that I'm able to do is basically her. So I'm incredibly grateful and very aware and I've apologized obtusely for a very long time because it doesn't go away and when yeah. I remember I remember how absent I was and I think the last trimester for her I wasn't here I, I was hiding and I was just hoping it was going to go okay but was there just this fear of what had come before and having that love and and losing it yeah, because the, the circumstances in which the miscarriage happened had challenges in it in, in itself. Yeah. And so in that, you just, you know, I didn't really even know I needed to heal from it, but I probably just drank away. And I'm not saying this is a great idea, but I just turned to wine at that point. And for six months, I was just I mean, at 22, drinking. wine's quite a sophisticated drink to turn to, Marvin. I'm telling you right now, because <laughs> the thing is, I didn't even drink very often at that point. Oh, really? So it was, it, was like, it was like an introduction. It was my gateway to, to it. But like, it, and, and I don't want to, you know, sour the mood of, of our conversation, but it was a very, very difficult thing to process at 22. And then when it reoccurred in my, when I was 32, probably at that time, I had no preparation for it. And it yeah. hit me from such a blind angle. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a very present person now, you know, I meditate and I do all these things, but yeah. there's certain blind spots that you have as a man and as a, and as a person that you just can't, you can't put logic to. Mm -hmm. And so only after the fact did I realize and I was really listening to how absent I was and, and what the impact was that I just had to dial back from, you know, a lot of things and go back to work, really. So for the last 12 to 18 months, I've had to go and answer tough questions, like, yeah. you know, because it can't, it can't be something that goes into my future. So, you know, Nina is an incredibly important person in my life as in my development. And it's one of those things that it's more than just being my wife. It's more yeah. than just being a mother of my children. So I hold her in a lot of reverence. And so, yeah, I, I always say I'm always grateful for it. She's very much the context for what I've been able to create for others at this point. Mm. What was it like meeting your son for the first time? It's interesting because there's a thing about colorism or shadism. And I'm obviously a dark-skinned black man. When he first came out, his eyes were very different to mine. They were actually quite slanted. And his complexion was much lighter than mine. So there was this almost like, 
looking at him but not seeing me yeah, yeah, yeah. in the very beginning. But I was so proud of being able to create and everything was new and first. I just, I just remember being overwhelmed. I didn't care about a single other thing in the planet. <laughs> and I remember being a parent was the number one context for my existence. It's all I talked about. It's all I, in the office. Oh, my son did this. And you know, so proud. <laughs> probably sickly so. And I think most people will probably be disgusted by the idea. But, you know, it, it was such a big part of my identity. Yeah. But I, I, again, I, you know, some of those challenges of what does a dad do in the first two years? And I think, you know, my brother-in-law taught me a lot watching him with his daughter about connecting. And he did a lot of connecting processes throughout the whole journey and right. I wish I had that code leading up to because I think a lot of it was is in my head and mentally I was very proud and excited but I'm pretty much sure most of the time I was standing still staring being scared to put in what my my gift was I didn't know how to do that and I wish I was able to spend more time and more connection at that point but you know it, it was just it was one of those things that we talk, talk to our dads now about some of those things in the beginning. And it just isn't easy. So I have zero judgment on men mm. who struggle as long as they're on the ring, in the ring with it and they're on the court with it. But I don't judge them because I know what that feeling is and how violent it feels to try and get knocked back. And most of the time, you know, as a non-primary carer, your children do reject you often. As a as a dad, and it's like yeah, I they want fall my mother. over. They want yeah, 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 yeah. And so that that's really difficult. And I think the the moment I remember wanting to create dope black dads is because I was struggling to connect with my daughter, and my son was calling for his mother, and she had to take care of Ocean because she was like four months or something. Yeah. And so basically, at that point, everybody was rejecting me, and I was standing there like, I'll take I'll take somebody. I'll take you. You uh, can I help you? <laughs> and it was just like not happening. Yeah, uh, And I remember just sitting there and feeling low. And I was just like, why am I here? And I couldn't, I suppose at that point, you know, you create, you create the environment for that love or you create yeah. the environment, you help create the conditions of the container that everyone's in. But I think you just want affinity to the people that you love more than anybody else. And it doesn't necessarily come in a way you will understand. So it takes a lot of resolution to be the non-primary carer or the non, I think I think there's the maternal connection of not the non-birthing partner because it may happen in same-sex relationships also. The non-birthing partner, there's just a slight disconnect and it requires something, and it's a very difficult thing to navigate. And we haven't had the conversation without judgment yet, and and yeah. we try to have it in our spaces. When you're in it and you're feeling it and you're feeling pulled in every direction, it, it I imagine it can be actually quite difficult to kind of open up and kind of go, tell me how you're feeling because I can remember when Buzz was. A week old, neither of us had been sleeping. It was like I liken the first two weeks of having Buzz to hell mm. because it was just so relentless and just everything was so raw. Mm. And I can remember Tom completely breaking down and saying how disconnected he felt to the whole thing. Mm. You know, I was up in the night, I was feeding, you know, we'd have the nice little moments at four o'clock in the morning where I'd bring me biscuits and we'd watch Countdown. But, you know, there was, the, it, a life had shifted so massively. Mm. And I think actually now we could probably do with more moments of sitting down and kind of going, we're at this stage now, our kids are seven, five and three. How do we feel? How are we, mm -hmm. how are we doing? You know, because I, I think there are certain moments that happen 
silently and organically where he knows when I've reached like my end mm. of what I can manage in this co- this situation and he'll pick up and vice versa, you know. Yeah. I guess we're a tag team in that way, but to actually sit down and talk about it, it's probably really healthy and a thing that we should yeah. do. But one thing that I realised I needed was I needed things to be funny if it yeah. went wrong. If, yeah. you, if you just make an error and the ball's too hot, and I know that's not a nice experience where they're like, <laughs> but it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let me yeah, go get yeah. it. It has to be a bit lighter than like, yeah. the bottle is too hot. And you're like, yeah. Oh. Like, you know, and, and I think, and children are incredibly robust, but I think there's so much judgment in parenting. Mm. And most of the time, you know, you live with an idea of how you're going to parent. And yeah. we place a, a huge amount of significance on the outcome of our children, on our how we see ourselves and our own value. And I think it takes so long. It takes it to go wrong. Yeah. Probably almost set some fires up in your marriage before you start to balance it out. And I think that's what I want people to be introduced to earlier mm. is that you've got to laugh through it. It's funny yeah. if, you know, you end up yelling at your child and you like everyone screamed at their child once and been like, that was definitely unnecessary. <laughs> and just <laughs> like you know, in the night when we're sitting there and reflecting on our day, you know, how was your parenting day for you? is a great question at the end of the day. And you just yeah. talk through, you know, what you observed. And then it's got to be funny. And fast forward to the Father's Day that you sent out the text message to your fellow dads. Mm. What did you actually say in that message? It was something along the lines of, thank you so much for being a vision of what parenting or being a dad should be like. And I often look to you it was definitely, I often look to you whenever I'm stuck. So just seeing dads online, working, hanging out with their kids, I have no idea what happened in between those moments. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They could have been None crying every too. day. But yeah. on social media terms, it was just like, I need to see a dad doing this. Yeah. And, I, and I looked up to all of them. And so, but when I said it, everybody was having a very similar experience to me or more people having a similar experience to me. And then it made that experience no longer a problem. And then I became into solution mode. That maybe what, are the questions, what do I need to do about it? And that's yeah. what the best thing about that group was. And did you instantly make the group and have that as like a, a, as a message to all of them or were you sending them all out and then going, let's put this in one? No, I just made it in sheer desperation. And I remember hovering over the button to make the group. And I, and I think calling it Dope Black Dads was just a moment of genius. I created a dope things list a list of dope things I wanted to do that year. So the word dope was in my head. Yeah. And I knew there was something about back fatherhood that was unique to what my challenges were. So it came out and then it just had, I think the, the name of it created a bit of a North Star for everybody. So they understood that it was a positive space for fathers and everybody really appreciated being even called that because maybe yeah. they didn't feel that way. So it was very interesting. And it wasn't long after actually just creating the it's WhatsApp group and Facebook group that yeah. you launched the podcast. Yes. So we launched in June, the Facebook group, and that's WhatsApp group. And we, by the way, we had no intentions of making it anything other than those 23 people. Yeah. But the, the conversations that the men were having were so powerful. I was like, I want to explain what we're discovering in real time, but unfiltered. And I want to be able to speak without being stopped. It, I, I absolutely love listening to it. I honestly don't know. It's my fault as well. I, I, considering what I do, it's quite strange, I guess. But 
Well, actually, no, because one of the things that me and Tom always say is that we don't get to see our friends enough because yeah. of working. And then when the kids are there, the conversations that you have are so broken. Mm. So it, it is absolutely amazing to listen to a group of dads sat around, not even sometimes talking about parenthood talking mm. about humanity and you know you did a whole podcast on me too and you know all these different conversations that like mental health and you know I think it's it's so rich yeah I have just absolutely loved listening to it mm. thank you so much for saying that you know I, I think it's a very different thing having a mic in front of you having that space to kind of just sit and chat, sit and be. When the thoughts come, you discuss them, you know. And I think even me and Tom have done an episode of this podcast mm. and we talked about things that we have never talked about before together, mm. you know, because you, we haven't given it that space to digest it in that way. And I wonder if your relationships with your mates has deepened in some way. It definitely has. And I think it's one of those interesting things because I don't think I, I'm authentic. I'm this person all the time. Yeah. And so in terms of boundaries of just telling people's story, you have to really understand what you're saying and who you're saying it to. And I forget all the time that I'm actually on a platform and I'm just having a chat. So I, yeah. I haven't curated my answers for you. I'm just speaking to what I remember. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the gift is you do get a deep affinity to the people you're speaking to because I'm a very curious person and I've done lots of therapy and frameworks of coaching and education. So some of that comes out in our in our podcast, mm -hmm. but also sometimes you just say the thing that just needs to be said. Like when I talk about centering men in parenting, it immediately in isolation sounds like you're erasing the journey of motherhood. Mm. And I don't know if you can center the two in the same way at the same time. It's like it's an and it's not yeah. an or. And so when we talk about sometimes our experience, I've had people come up to be like, oh, we heard one episode and, you know, we felt this. And I'm like, listen, if men feel excluded from parenting by mothers, it's not to diminish mothers. It just means that we've had a completely different experience. And we, we know that there's been generations of pressure on women to be amazing mothers. Mm. It's like steeped into every level of society that, this is your purpose. And when you've done this, you are now complete. It's like yeah. the Thanos rings of your life are complete <laughs> now that you're a mother. And, 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 you know, we've now discovered that many women don't agree, mm -hmm. you know, and having children isn't for everybody. That's, yeah. that's like a new powerful conversation that we're having, but many women have known this their whole lives and felt forced. So I, I don't want to center women in our solution our discussion is discovery when we discovered the and is so how does yeah. this apply to our families how does this apply to mothers how does this apply to our children our grandparents and then you filter that way but you've got to be able to say incorrect things yeah in the instance yeah. in the search of the actual truth and discovery of what it is that you're searching for and i think we'll get better unions as a result rather than worse yeah i completely agree and you've now turned the podcast into a book. Yes. Or not, oh, you've, you've, there's a new book, Dope Black Dads, which is out in June. It is in June. Two books and in two months, which is I mean, a terrible idea. <laughs> I've been there. Um, <laughs> what is it about the book? Is it, is it looking further into different topics? I know you've brought a lot of people together in, yeah. in putting the book together. Yeah, the, the, for me, the book is an invitation of where to look. And I think if you've not had children, this is like a list of places to look, where to ask questions mm. in pursuit of that idea, marriage and children. 
And I think if you've already got children, it's an invitation to look where maybe it may not be working. What I'm very clear on, it's not a book with a list of answers of go do this and you will be amazing. But you know your own sensibilities, you know your own moral framework, your own values. And so, for example, when we talk about relationships, you know, the idea of consciously creating a blended family from the start, as in our mission is that we, a, a man and a woman meet knowing they want to have children, but mm-hmm. we do not want to cohabit. So what happens if you consciously said that from the beginning, rather than attempting creating a violent environment for your children and then separating in anger versus I know who I am and yes, I want children. I like, but I want to stay in my own house, in my own space. So we're going to build a family that's not in the same place, but we're going to build a way of being together, almost like a separated family intentionally from the beginning Mm -hmm. or you know, what happens when you dissolve a family and someone gets a new partner? How do you actually create that from the beginning? What happens when it's not a man and a woman and it's two women? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to have that question, that conversation. And I always, all, all I want is you to do whatever it is you're choosing to do, do it powerfully. Like really do it. Don't make it a consequence of inaction or make it a consequence of anger or hate. Just say that this is how we're going to be. The other thing was, is like, what would happen if, single mothers started living together and creating an environment where we're actually going to live together and raise our children together. We have our own space, but we share the cost of and the burden of living together and food and, you know, the labor of chores. So I'm not alone. Yeah. But I also don't want a man around. Has fatherhood changed you? Has it made you become more of a thinker or have you always been this way? I've always been curious and I suppose I apply that approach to whatever it is that I'm doing before I was applying it to advertising, but I care so much about this and I so want to stop this generational traumatic experience of raising children. And there's so much that I didn't have so much that I did have that I kept and so much that I didn't have that I've been able to repair with my children. That's the mission. And I just apply a lot of care to it and I'm very curious and I'm not afraid to be wrong. Mm-hmm. It actually leads you into really interesting spaces. And, you know, in that you will, you will find yourself trying something, you know, experimenting and, you know, you just got to know the parameters for when it may be not working or when it creates more harm than good. And I think it's just, you just have to, because I don't think this type of way of living is working for the majority of people. And I, and I don't want to make them wrong or bad for it not working for them in the picture book way of parenting and family. I want to be able to say, powerfully say, all right, your husband has left you or your wife has left you. This is the options. This is the conversations you can have about what their commitment needs to be. You know, Mm. it's a really powerful and important conversation to have. Are you the type of dad that you thought you would be, Marvin? No. I thought fatherhood was easy. I thought it was me just as I was being loved just for who I am. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not. It's, it's, you know, they're they're their own people. And I just thought that they would kneel into my way of being and my perspective. And they don't, they reject it sometimes. They don't want to do things. And so, you know, sometimes I'm coaching my son and he's like, I don't want to be coached. Just give me a hug or leave me alone. Like he just, you can see it in his face. They're like, don't tell me Instagram quotables right now, Dale. I don't want your power (laughs) speech. I don't want to go to bed now. And, um, I, I, I thought I would just be this person and it would, my kids would love me for it. But really, there's sometimes you just got to be the bad person. You've got to be yeah. someone that they don't enjoy to create the boundaries that they need to be better people. So I feel good about it now, 
But yeah. there was probably more periods where I didn't feel good. And this is the first time I'm enjoying it. For real, I'm really enjoying it. Do you think that's because also because they're a little bit older? So that, you know, I think when it comes to, if we're talking about the early days where they probably need their mum a bit more in terms of feeding and things like that, do you think it's because it kind of opens up? And I, I feel like when they get to a certain age, it is more of an equal playing field, if you like. Absolutely. And like, this is where my gift kicks in. So coaching yeah. and, you know, coming up with ideas about, you know, how they should go about things. That's my strong point. Teaching him football. So I give him a task every day. You sit there, left foot, right foot. You hit these three spots on the wall. And because he can take those instructions now, now the best of my gift is coming out. Before I was supervising, I was maintaining, yeah. I was holding space mainly and largely to share the load with my my wife. And that felt like the majority of what the mission was. Now I feel like I'm, my gift is being imported into my children as I would experience it. And it's fun for me. Yeah. And uh, it's different. I think a huge part of it is, as well as is, is looking at... I always find it's interesting to th look at who I thought I would be as a parent, think about why I thought parenting would be amazing, and then try and... <laughs> implement a little bit of that almost because mm. I think I can I can get lost in the organization of it all in in you know the things that we all have to do whether that's the washing the cleaning the cooking making sure everyone's doing the things that they should be doing but actually thinking about those the, the silly things the fun things mm. the things that like just being together that's none of that other external noise for me that is where I remember and then get closer to that that feeling of of contentment within yeah. parenthood there, there does seem to be a common thread where where mothers focus on the day-to-day -day. and i think like the day-to-day -day care of our children men do need to pick up more load they just yeah. have to and it is a burden because well, it's, it's now being referred to as the mother load yeah. you know all of that organizational the stuff that kind of weighs you down and, yeah. it, and it, it, it is so important i think to to share it as when you can and to just be aware of what everyone does within the house yeah i i do invite mothers to allow things to collapse it will drive you it, it's annoying to watch <laughs> If you could write a letter on fatherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? It, it would 100% be to Nina and it would just be a real celebration of teaching me love for her and knowing that it's real and it's possible because it doesn't always happen for people. Love for myself, because when you start loving other people, you realise there's some things you've got to take care of on your own. Yeah. Like experiencing fatherhood in a real joyous way. Like, I've really got to live parenting in a way with real support. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there depressed in the corner, crying about how hard it is. She's just carrying, you know, but that's what I'm saying. The context for me and Dope Black Dads is her. Yeah. And so I really appreciate that. So she allowed me to fulfill my destiny as a father. So it's all to her. And a real good assist to my mother who listen to all my complaints knowing that I was going to arrive at the right place in time and holding and I understand now more of what she had to experience as a single mother because I look at if I took away what my presence is in our family mm -hmm. what a big gap that would fill um leave and the fact that she filled it for me I had no awareness that fathers were important 
really? and I became one. Well, because she was just like, she was playing all positions on the football pitch really, really well. And so when you're like, well, what would the dad do? And then you realize now that there's an additional perspective, but I didn't want for anything. Yeah. You know? So I was really, really lucky. And I know how lucky I am. And I know that everybody has those structures. So, you know, this is why our book has like multiple versions of how to look at things, because I'm very aware that not everybody has an amazing co-parent. Not everybody has someone to live life with, which they can do together. And they both are, are passionate about pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. And so I want to normalize what really happens in families, not the pretty picture. It's that whole thing, isn't it? I think for years we've been saying, you know, especially with things like parenting or COVID or whatever, you know, we're all in the same storm. Sometimes it takes things to go wrong. And I want yeah. people just to not get lost in it will be very, very painful when it hurts and when it goes wrong. But when you come back to the table where it's like the the model type of family isn't working. Mm. It, it, and in that moment, there's some real beauty. And I just want people to be present to the beauty of actually discovering how you can fix and solve the long-term problem of how your family is working. And actually the possibilities are endless and really design it in who you actually are and what makes you happy. And your children will be okay when they have two active, present, loving people in Mm. their lives where possible. And if it's one, it's one. You know, there's so much that you can achieve with just on your own, but you've just got to redesign it. What can you actually do? And the second that you're happy, your children will see a certain light in you and it would just inspire them to do so much more anyway. Yeah. So we end the podcast with you finishing three sentences. The first one is... Being a dad means? For me, it means a chance to show what's possible for men in parenting. It's a chance to repair and change like the, the, the trajectory of a child's life. Mm-hmm. And it's a chance for me to experience the purest joy. I'm the happiest I've ever been mm-hmm. because I'm active in my children's life. And, I, and anything that looks like I can't access them in the way that I currently do must go. You know, I was working a lot and it had to go because I just needed to be able to be there. And, and, I, and I refuse. I just won't, I won't do anything else. So I'm, I'm, for me, it means everything. In addition to my purpose, it means everything. Since having children, I? I've understood what love actually is. And that quiet consistency, that, that is... You know, I'm not a very still person. And I think it taught me that you have to be have a certain level of consistency and people will do things that you don't like. Your own children would do things yeah. that you don't like and you still find love for them in all of their phases. And we don't apply the same grace to our partners in or the same way. Or to ourselves. And definitely you know, not Knowing ourselves. that we make mistakes and not to continuously... Built our, like beat ourselves up over it. We have to keep mm. moving forward and accept and and learn from that. You know, you're saying about things falling apart. Sometimes things falling apart is the catalyst yeah. to you finding the answers and and great things happening. Yeah, it just has to hurt just yeah. enough for you to require a change. And yeah. I think sometimes things happen, but it's not enough, and so we continue in the way we were. And then one day something happens and it really gets you in that place. And then you're like, that's it. We're not doing this again. Yeah. What, what is this and how can we fix this? Yeah. Final sentence. I'm happy when? When I'm usually being jumped upon by my children, being <laughs> talked at 
by my children about their day. And I think for my ego, the part that I love the most is when I share something with them, a tool or a skill, and then they reenact it and then they adopt it. Oh my gosh, there's nothing better than when I started doing mirror talk and then they were like, and then they just do it on their own. I am brave and a smile. <laughs> you know, that is my personal selfish joy. But usually when I'm in their presence, being jumped on my head or talking at me about their day at school and talking over each other while they talk at me. <laughs> you know, it's like kids have no filter of like my sister's talking. Brilliant. No. <laughs> I love that. And you're, I, I often try to separate my ears in some way so that I can take it all in, but the, you yeah. have to pick one and just say, no. hold on a second, let's just tone in on this one for a sec. A really good trick, though, is that the one that you choose not to listen to, you bring yeah. them in and you hug them while you listen to the other yeah. one, and then you swap. It, it somehow just doesn't feel as violent. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just pick your favourite. We, we also have to just accept <laughs> that favorite. we do. <laughs> We have favorites. And there's everyone's got a child where they look at them and they're like, You're me. You're my person. And I love you all equally, sure, you know, hypothetically, but you're my favorite. And I'm gonna make sure you make it. <laughs> Marvin, thank you so much. I've honestly loved our chat. It has been lovely. Yeah, thank brilliant. you. I'm going away with so many thoughts in my head. And you know, that that is what this podcast is all about, and it's what yours is all about. And yeah, just thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thanks for all the listeners and hopefully I didn't say anything to offend you. If I did, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram with your true feelings. (laughs) Careful what you wish for, Marvin. I know. (laughs) Happy Mum, Happy Baby is produced by Pixie Productions Limited and is part of the Acast Creator Network. Happy Mum, Happy Baby listeners, isn't our community just wonderful? I can't wait for us all to meet in actual real life for our first ever get-together. This 8th and 9th of July, we are heading to Old Billingsgate, the most beautiful venue in London, for a weekend of chats, laughs, live podcasts, experts, retail therapy, and a little bit of pampering too. Book onto the workshops and sessions, or simply stroll around and explore all the areas on offer. I'm going to be doing just that. Head to happymumhappybaby.com where you can find all the info and get your tickets. And whilst you're on the website, have you noticed there's new pictures of me wearing some rather lovely hoodies and t-shirts? Yes, that's right. Happy Mum, Happy Baby clothing is here. We launched today, so you might even be the first to see it. Hurrah! Now, I love me a quote. I love a t-shirt quote, so I wanted to bring some of those quotes that really show how we feel. So my favourite is flipping shattered, because yes, I am feeling flipping shattered the majority of the time. And my second favourite is the Grow Love Jumper, in sizes for adults and mini-me's too. How cute. I hope you love them as much as I do. They're ready for you to shop now and for all those signed up to the mailing list, you'll get 10% off your first order. Hurrah! Big love from me, G. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.